Welcome to SolkanaCast, two broads talking broadly about health, the physical, the emotional, the nitty-gritty, and the fun. Real thoughts on real health. The information provided within this podcast is not designed to and does not provide medical advice, professional diagnosis, opinion, treatment, or services to you or any other individual and is intended for general information for educational purposes only. Welcome to Soconicast, episode 34. I am your co-host, Hannah Whitevin, and with me as always... Your other co-host, Lucia Holly, nutritional woo-hoo, therapy practitioner. Hype woman for you. Um, and we have a guest in the house today. You can make a peep right now if you want. Hi, guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jen Shaw is here, and she's going to talk to us about all the things that we want to know. All the things that you want to know out mm. there. We all want to know. We have a lot. We want to know, Jen. Yeah. So get Hopefully, ready for that. it's about weightlifting. Yeah, it's going to be about weightlifting. <laughs> if we ask you other things, well, we can ask you a lot of things. You know a lot of things about a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I do. Have, at least have an opinion. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, before we do that, let's do a check in. Cool. Hannah. How was your week? Uh, my week was good. My week was so packed. Week started, I feel like. Uh, one great highlight was our party last Saturday. We did have a Prince party. Gym party. It was awesome. There was a Purple Rain photo booth wall. I loved it. Jen Hames, you wore purple. <laughs> yes, I was actually really impressed with myself. Since yeah. I don't own a lot of purple, and I also don't usually get dressed up very much. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's very impressive. Yeah. I'm very proud of you. I went to Savers and purchased a whole outfit. Yeah, you were rocking it, the too. The pants didn't fit, though. That's the thing. Ugh. They were supposed to be like baggy harem pants. I bought them there. I bought them two sizes too big for me. The pants you were wearing? Oh, I didn't wear them. Oh. Because <laughs> I bought them. Like your pants were not baggy. They were awesome. And they were supposed to be like baggy drop crotch harem pants. And I could not fit them over my quads. Like <laughs> they made it up to my waist and they were okay at the waist. But then they just were so tight around my legs. I'm like, this is the this is pointless. <laughs> so I didn't wear them, unfortunately. I wasted $7. Oh my God. $7 you'll never get back. I know. But still looks great everyone there were a lot of great outfits there yeah yeah people pulled it out of the park but i'm sure that did not compare to what you did on monday and tuesday yeah my boo came into town he visited it was really fun and then he left which was sad but that's cool he'll come back again (laughs) (laughs) uh he also helped me we keep it pretty low-key when he comes to visit but uh, the day he got in, which was Saturday, really late at night, day he got in, my basement sink backed up. So he helped me fix that. Cool. And then the day he left, my uh, bathtub backed up. And then I got to fix that all by myself, which I can do. It's fine. But I was like, Ooh. what is it about like these four days? I don't know. Sounds like you need a drain person. Oh, I am the drain person, Sweet Hannah. snake. <laughs> I got a snake. Okay, 15 good. foot. Good. Metal. It's wow. fine. <laughs> How was your week? Oh, you know, I've been sick, coughing up a storm. Actually, let me ask you something, some advice. I know our poop episode was two weeks ago. Yeah. But let's say, for example, I have a friend who's been taking a lot of cough medicine lately. Mm -hmm. And cough medicine makes you not poop anymore. Mm -hmm. Any suggestions? I would increase magnesium. I know that you, that person might be taking a lot of magnesium. Yeah, I could do that. (laughs) But I would say increase it. Because I've been eating so many fibrous vegetables and yeah. I just feel like they're getting stuck in my stomach yep and then in my intestines and I'm feeling so like a rock hard stomach mm-hmm. I would start with magnesium first okay bump up the dose that's good I yeah. can do that I yeah. can drink enough magnesium that I will definitely mm-hmm. 
definitely poop again. Mm-hmm. I will poop again. <laughs> she will poop. Ugh. That's the hardest part about being sick is that you, when you take medication, it like all makes you constipated. Yeah, it does. It does. So that's where I'm at right now. Yeah. <clears throat> but you know what? That's okay because it's getting better. Sort of. That's the most important part. Yes. <laughs> well, let's bring in our guest. Yeah. With us today is a lovely coach from the gym, but also just mm-hmm. like a great person who mm-hmm. I've known for a long time. Please welcome Jen Shaw. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a pleasure to be here. Yes. <laughs> golf clap. Yay. Welcome. Yes. Thanks. Speaking of golf clap, you have some golf in your history. I do, yes. Mm. I've played uh, some golf in my time. Not as much anymore, but always a good time to <laughs> throw stuff around. Yeah. You did you feel. ever did you ever play competitively? Like uh no, uh not competitively. Um I was actually a competitive tennis player uh through my oh. junior and collegiate days. So oh. that's actually the sport that I'm best at. Okay. Uh and then mm. I picked up golf um after college. Uh It's a little more casual than tennis is. It is a lot more <laughs> casual. I enjoyed the walking and less of the running. Yeah. yeah. And you can also like do it by yourself. You tennis can. is not very easy to do by yourself. It is actually very hard to play tennis by yourself uh, or <laughs> with actually um, other people who are not uh, of the same level. Um, oh, it's yeah. actually kind of frustrating. So yeah, I, I can imagine. I personally tried to be on a rec softball team. It just doesn't really work out for me because I'm I'm just shit talking on the field the whole time and I get <laughs> super frustrated and people don't know the rules of softball. Mm-hmm. Ugh, it drives me crazy. Not worth it. Yes, there's a lot of internal cringing when I watch people play tennis. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I bet. And they're like throwing their whole body. They into are. It. And they're trying so hard. I can see the effort. <laughs> <laughs> so did you play singles or doubles? Um, so as a junior, I played both singles and doubles. Um, in college, I played mainly uh, doubles. Oh, okay. And did you get recruited for tennis when you went to school or did you like go school first and then you just walked onto the team um I got recruited so I played on scholarship at uh Indiana University sweet mm. it's a pretty big deal yeah it is a pretty big deal <laughs> yeah I have a championship ring from Big Ten actually. you do yeah. oh my god that's awesome <laughs> is your name like em- emblazed on the leaderboard somewhere in Indi- in Indiana I don't know actually they uh in not surprisingly uh, the Hoosier State is not a big tennis state. A little bit more about the <laughs> basketball. Mm. Um, okay. So I have no idea where they kept like our trophies and things like that. Probably somewhere in a basement on a shelf way in the back. Right. Oh, They're like, good job. You did a tennis. <laughs> participation <Yeah>. award for <laughs> you. So then after you did college tennis, like, what, was your, what were your athletics like right after school? Uh, well, after school... Um, that's basically when I transitioned to playing uh, golf because um, I was going to medical school, right. um, which didn't leave a lot of time to actually do very much. <laughs> like anything um, for yourself? <laughs> pretty much. Uh, not a lot, actually. Still um, doing like regular, like what I thought was like training. like, And by that, I mean like I would run on the treadmill for like 10 minutes. Yep. Yeah. Um, and not even run like a light jog perhaps <laughs> and then um i do some weights on the weight machine and think i was getting a really good exercise a lot of air quotes yeah a lot, a lot of air quotes, quotes right now <laughs> uh and uh and that would be sort of uh basically all the athletics i would do and then i'd play golf on the weekend um, which was actually a lot of fun oh, i really I did enjoy playing yeah. golf uh, quite a bit seems like a good like meditative game it is to play 
Uh, it's actually very similar to weightlifting, I'm not going to lie. Mm. Um, there's a lot of skill and mental um, challenge involved in a lot of frustrations, actually, right. uh, that you have to kind of control. Um, I will say that uh, in golf, though, uh, maybe because I was younger, there was a lot of yelling and throwing of equipment. Uh, really? Yeah. <laughs> From you? Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen you like yell and throw the barbell around before. No, I, am, I think I'm a much more zen person. <laughs> uh, but uh, in my early 20s, a lot of like helicoptering uh, clubs around. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> it's a great image. <laughs> it is a really good image. Just swinging a club around your head. <laughs> Pretty much. Were you alone a lot of the time? Did you go by yourself or did you usually have someone who would go with you? Um, I would actually go with my parents. Okay. Um, so they're the ones who introduced me to um, golf and how to play. So uh, a lot of those mental breakdowns were actually in front of my mom, mm. which <laughs> made her so proud. I'm sure. She's like, wow, my daughter has it together. You're like, listen, I'm in medical school. You got to get your stress out somewhere. Mm, pretty much. And then you went to residency. Is that is that what brought you to Atlanta or what? Where did you, how did you get, where'd you go for residency? I went to the residency in Seattle, oh. Washington. Oh, yeah, that's right. So okay. I spent about seven years on the West Coast. Um, so I did my medical school uh, in Alabama. That's where I'm from. Right. And then uh, I did a, a six-year residency in ENT in Seattle and then uh, one-year re- uh, fellowship at Stanford. Okay. I don't know why I said Atlanta. I don't know where that came from my head. I must have been thinking about Alabama. (laughs) You know, the whole South kind of blends in together for me. It's all the same. No offense. (laughs) It's okay. I'm like, you know, somewhere below that line that's considered down there. The Mason-Dixon line? Yeah. (laughs) Listen, I am a little foggy (laughs) from the coughing. Uh, Well, that's great. Seattle must have been a really interesting place to do your residency it was um seattle's a fun city it's actually not unlike minneapolis i think in Mm -hmm. the twin cities um i it does rain quite a bit uh and i hated it uh pretty much just because the (laughs) weather wise gray it's really gray there is definitely seasonal affective disorder uh, depression is truly a real thing yeah Uh, and um i definitely think it definitely bothered me quite a bit also my residency was uh, crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, I definitely did not do anything for about six years right. athletically. Yeah, uh, just worked. I mean, it, I have a friend who's in residency right now, and he has a new baby, and it's like impossible for him Ooh. to do any, like even really spend time with her, mm-hmm. much less spend time on himself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like twenty-four uh, hour shifts and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so there. Uh, these days, fortunately, they have rules in place in terms of how long um, residents can be in the hospital, which I think is good um, mm-hmm. overall for safety and for well-being. Um, I was in did my residency in a time where they were sort of trans- transitioning to that. Oh, um, okay. So my first year, uh, first and first two years, uh, we did not really pay attention to what we call work hour rules. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so um, <laughs> it's not uncommon to work uh, like 90, 100 hour weeks. Wow. Uh, or be I think the longest I've been up is close to 48 hours probably in a row without actually sleeping and you're supposed to like perform important tasks under that kind of you are um fortunately nobody asked me to operate uh during that time but um I do recall being just extremely ill uh feeling Mm -hmm. um like we had to do clinic um after being up all night and I was just uh very very like also Sleep deprived with caffeine, not a great idea. Yeah, actually. no, it's not good. I was gonna say, did you have any like 
tricks or tools that you would use to help you get through, especially that last stretch? Nope. Just a lot <laughs> of fear. Oh. Just a lot of fear. Yeah, <laughs> I have to do this. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, you spent all that time going through medical school and, you know, you can't give up at that point. Nope. Nope. But fortunately, they have work hour rules uh, in place, and they are actually uh, very strict and uh, should be abided by. So um, I'm, I work with some of the residents here at the University of Minnesota, right. and mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a very big deal to make sure that they're not going over their work hours. Yeah. Good. So is that what brought you to Minnesota? Was that opportunity to like work in a research hospital with residents? Mm-hmm. So I, I definitely, uh, I w- always wanted to be in academic medicine. The type of um, ENT uh, that I... Uh, particularly focus on um, it is easier to do it in an academic uh, setting than out in the community because uh, it's pretty specialized. So, like, how specialized? What is <laughs> tell, tell us more? <laughs> uh, so, intrigued. I uh, deal with um, surgical managements for patients who have uh, obstructive sleep apnea and who have failed medical therapy. Oh. Um, so I uh, I come in as sort of an alternative um, or salvage treatment option for them, um, and so the type of surgeries that I do um, is they they can be fairly complex, um, right. and so it is usually better done in a hospital setting. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I do um, one of the surgeries I do is an implant, um, and at the moment they the implant is really only being offered at academic settings. So oh, hmm. interesting, because it's still yeah. like being researched in some it's ways? It's still um, semi-developmental, okay. I guess is the best way to put it. Interesting. What is the what is the implant? What? It's called Inspire. And actually, you'll probably s- apparently see ads or hear it on the radio. Huh. Um, apparently, I'm on the radio <gasps> for an ad. Oh, although I've never actually heard myself. <laughs> um, like, it works. It wor- <laughs> kind of. Uh, that's kind of how it goes. Um, so it is commercially available, but uh, they um, the company is selective in which surgeons um, or how many surgeons can do it. Mm. I see. Uh, mainly to uh, assure quality. Right. They don't want to put it out there and then have everybody trying it and not being able to make it work. Exactly. Very interesting. Very cool. So then when you got here, you started doing CrossFit right away, or did you wait a little bit before you tried it out? So, uh, yeah, the actually my uh, role from weightlifting uh, came from CrossFit specifically. Um, and it came actually because I was incredibly uh, out of shape after residency. <laughs> um, I gained a lot of weight as well. Um, I probably put on that uh, about 15 pounds, which for my frame is a lot. Right. And I'm sure it was just pure stress hormone related. Oh, totally. Yeah, there was, yeah. there was a lot of cortisol, a lot of pizza and French fries and m <laughs> Whatever you Definitely. can get your hand on. Pretty yeah. much. Uh, not, did not pay attention to my diet. Um, so yeah. my last year actually in um, Seattle, uh, I was going to LA Fitness. Sure. Um, yeah. And every time I would pass by uh, on my way to LA Fitness, I would drive by uh, what looked to be a CrossFit box, I think. Um, it was literally in a garage, I think, like an old <laughs> auto mechanic garage. <coughs> yep, and sounds I would familiar. see people like running around with these barbells mm. doing absolutely crazy things, <laughs> um, which I now know are called burpees. Oh. <laughs> um, and so I was pretty intrigued by that. Um, but uh, so I didn't actually do uh, actually do CrossFit, though, until I went to California and probably oh. like my last four months in California, mm. I finally found a box 
uh, mainly because I saw the CrossFit Games on ESPN one like, night. Okay, I guess I should try this. <laughs> yeah, it's in, uh, so I did CrossFit for about four months in California and then moved out here. Um, and I actually don't know if you remember this, Hannah, but when I was looking to take a job here, I came, um, I think probably winter, spring. You dropped it? I didn't actually drop in. I literally was just walking around uptown. Oh. Huh. Looking at the CrossFit boxes that were in town, and because I knew I wanted to do CrossFit when I came out here, so I wanted to see what the, what was up. What was up? Uh, so I went to uh, your old gym uh, in Uptown, and l- there were literally like ladies running around, um, <laughs> and I of course was just standing outside looking like a lost puppy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you came out and introduced yourself, and. Um, was extremely friendly and fun oh, and delightful God. and Glad I, I was like you, in. you did actually I was like <laughs> I want to go to this CrossFit box because you were the only one who actually came out and talked to me um, all the other ones didn't really kind of ignored me right um, right so uh, that's how I ended up uh, sort of doing CrossFit in uh, Minneapolis that's awesome that's Lucia awesome. said she remembers your first day I do I think it was your first day I felt like it was your first day we were in the other location at that old gym mm-hmm. and I remember you walked in you're like you're super humble and you're like oh we'll see how this goes I, I don't know and then you started even like the warm-up and you were just killing it and I was like <laughs> hell yeah this is gonna be great you just need to like learn the moves and then it'll be no problem yeah it was cool awesome. yeah wow. <laughs> and then I coached um, a beginner Olympic weightlifting seminar that was like just for like a handful of athletes mm-hmm. and you came to that mm-hmm was that the first time you'd really like drilled into the Olympic lifts like and really thought about them in that way or had you been curious about it before and thinking about it before? Um, I I think that was actually the first time I was really introduced to the lifts like uh, prior to that probably I was definitely all about the CrossFit. Yeah. Because <laughs> in my mind I was like I'm doing definitely going to the games in five years no problem. <laughs> Uh, yes, so I had a little bit of different expectations. Yeah, I mean, back then, like, it might have been more possible, actually. Yeah, maybe more possible, but not a reality. Yeah, (laughs) probably not, but, you know, it's a good thought. It was a bit more like the Wild West back then, right? It was. Well, and also just the standards, not everybody could do what they can do now. Mm -hmm. Mm. Correct, yes. I would agree. uh, uh, At that time... It definitely was, I think, more attainable for just a regular person to come off the street and go to the games <laughs> yes. than it is now. Yeah, it's impossible now. Pretty <laughs> you much. Have to be cool. Great. <laughs> finely tuned. Yes. Mm. A genetic freak, I said. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that easy. <laughs> yeah. So, and then after that seminar, did you did things start to sort of click then, or when when did it click in that you were like, okay, I want to do weightlifting. This is something I'm really into. I'm not actually sure when that switch occurred, um, but there are definitely aspects of weightlifting that um, I prefer over uh, pure CrossFit. Yeah. Mm. Um, partly, one is uh, I have no engine, uh, so cardio <laughs> is actually very difficult for me. Mm. Um, Even it, though you were a tennis player, I guess a, that's all sprints. It's sprints, yeah. Mm. So lo- endurance um, is, it, even when I was playing tennis, um, my coach would always complain that I, I had the worst running cardiovascular endurance mm. of the group. Yeah. Um, always last on any run that we would do that was over <laughs> um, a mile. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and so that type of, um, I don't like going into the pain cave. 
um, for sure. <laughs> so even you stay fast, around the outside. Oh yes, like, we don't even like, hang out in there. Yeah, we don't even like get a flashlight and peek into the paint. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We were we were well, well far away. Yeah. Um, so that um, uh, so that sort of discomfort has never been um, my forte. Um, I definitely recognize that it is actually good for um, overall health to kind of go there, but it's not where I often like to go. Right, it's not mm. your preferred place to be. Right. Yep. Um, I'm definitely more of a skill-oriented person. I think that's the bottom line, yeah. is that I like to focus on one thing and become as good as possible at that one thing. Uh, and that's probably why I'm a surgeon. Probably, um, yeah. Probably why... Probably what got you through medical school. Yep. yep. Um, so, uh, and I think with CrossFit, you definitely have to be a jack-of-all-trades, mm. um, which after a while, it was very difficult. Yes, especially if you have the desire to attain a high level. If you just want to be doing it for exercise, it doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like weightlifting drew you in because you could actually work up to a higher level and maybe compete and feel confident versus CrossFit where you might not even know what you're going to do in a competition. Correct. Yep. Um, So what was the first like out of town or big name seminar you took? Because you've (laughs) taken a lot of seminars Mm, in your time. I'm uh, okay. Let's see. The first seminar I've take I took um, was probably I think it was probably Diane Fu. And did you go out there? Or was it the one when she came? She came to. Um, oh my goodness! She's uh, come here twice. She's come here twice. I've actually. Oh my gosh! In <laughs> thinking about it, uh, I have probably taken her seminar then four times <laughs> that's awesome yeah um i um i think i actually traveled out of town to go to one of her seminars okay um and um so she would be actually and then after that seminar i got in contact with her uh just uh, via email for personal coaching because uh, i really liked her style of coaching yes She's incredibly approachable mm-hmm. um incredibly giving and um, just full of knowledge. Um, and so she was really my first true uh, like weightlifting coach who mm-hmm. would write a program for me, critique my lifts, try mm-hmm. to get me better, essentially. Um, and at this time, um, I was actually uh, kind of gymless um, when I first started working with Diane Fu. I wasn't really, uh, this were the transition period before Salkana opened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was doing it at Los Campiones in the dungeon <laughs> with like yeah. uh, some scary uh, bars and plates mm. and like. And I was also working with Diane, and I was doing it like at CrossFit Kingfield. They let me come in during off hours, hmm. <laughs> so I was also like alone in a dungeon because I was at their old space. Oh yeah, so weird. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I so I have done both of her scenarios when she's come here to Minneapolis, mainly because now she's I consider her to be a friend. Um, so whenever she comes out here, I always want to support her. Mm. Um, and then she also then did a um, seminar with uh, Lester Ho, uh, who is the training geek on Instagram. Uh, he's actually out of Australia. Oh, wow. And his I tried to go visit him when I was there. Mm-hmm. Huh. And it was the only – he was actually happened to be on a two-week vacation for the two weeks that I was oh, there. No. Yeah, he was like, actually won't be back until the day you leave he wrote me this long really kind email about how he wished we could train together and if i wanted to go still to his gym there would be this other trainer there and i'm like no i came for you Aww. and it's a two-hour drive for where i was staying so yeah. it was, oh wow it's only gonna be worth it if he was there yeah 
Um, so Lester is fantastic as well. His, um, I like his uh, coaching mainly because he approaches things from a biomechanical standpoint. Mm-hmm. So he takes into account really how people are built mm. um, in terms of limb lengths, um, trunk, and just sort of, and he looks at weightlifting from a biomechanical aspect, which I think is um, very important, but also very difficult because uh, yeah. I've tried to incorporate that into my own coaching and it's it is something that I think is very difficult just to pick up um, without a lot of training in it it seems like you have to develop an eye for that mm-hmm. over a long period of time and seeing a lot of athletes come right. through. yes and I think what's great about Lester is that he's able to communicate a lot of this stuff um, in very simple terms that people can understand mm-hmm. and so um, I think that if you're not following him on Instagram, you should, um, <laughs> because he actually almost daily drops some important knowledge bombs. Yeah, just for yeah. free. For free, yes. yes. I like following him very much. We'll, uh, we'll link to him in the show notes, too. Yeah. Um, and and uh, when you went out to China, you trained with Diane out there and, like, a whole group of amazing lifters. <laughs> Yes. Tell us about that experience. So um, one in a lifetime opportunity. So that was uh, last year, um, last May, uh, I took uh, about 12 days uh, and went to um, Zhuhai, China, which is in the southern part of China near Hong Kong. And we were invited guests of uh, Coach Wu, um, actually two Coach Wu's. Uh, (laughs) There's Coach Wu from Singapore, who used to be on the... um, Chinese national team, but he's now the uh, national coach for Singapore. Uh, And his good friend, who also is Coach Wu, uh, (laughs) who is the uh, director of the um, sports academy there, and Mm. specifically their weightlifting coach. Uh, So I went out with uh, Diane Fu um, and um, one of Coach Wu's personal athletes, Jonathan Wong uh, from Singapore, or yeah, Singapore. or maybe Malaysia, sorry, um, <laughs> for just basically to learn uh, more about Chinese weightlifting in China. So to be immersed with a coach who uh, obviously who teaches it to young kids. So yeah. I think there's a little difference in um, watching young kids develop as weightlifters versus mm-hmm. uh, um, young adults who've been weightlifting already like seven to 10 years who are obviously now very proficient and moving and could can be considered experts. And are just getting stronger at this point. Mm. Essentially, yep. yeah. Mm. Versus the kids, um, you could definitely tell uh, who was just starting out, very awkward looking, <laughs> uh, uh, I could relate to them. Yeah. Um, versus <laughs> some, some of the kids who had been there four or five years and were fantastic movers, mm. um, very efficient um, and just they uh, obvi- they knew what they were doing and just needed to get either stronger or um, small technique enhancements. At what age do they start really loading loading them up? Because I feel like for a long time they do a lot of lightweight technique work, right, for mm-hmm. a few years? I think it depends on um, – it really depends on their progression. So almost every school year, they get a new batch of uh, kids who come in. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're anywhere between um, 11 to 13 years old. Okay. Um, and there is some truth to the fact that these kids are recruited or selected uh, to come in. Um, often some of them don't actually know what weightlifting is. Right. Huh. They were just scouted and real. Um, and they have found the right a, body type. And bo- yeah, body type athleticism. or athleticism. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, some of the girls we talked to initially said that they didn't know what weightlifting was and they didn't know they were coming to this school to do weightlifting. And so they had to literally learn from scratch. Wow. 
Um, and so when we were there, um, there was a new crop of lifters and essentially they worked bar only or even just like um, not PVC pipe but just like a metal like pipe and that's all they did mm. was just go through the movements with the with this bar light bar or um, just an empty training bar um, and they would do sort of more general um, like GPP type things, so uh -huh. sit-ups, push-ups, jumps, jump roping, um, just to kind of get in more physical uh, shape. Sure. Uh, and then there was another group that um, you could tell that they had probably been there maybe like six months because they were mm. working with weights, um, relatively light weights, although some of them were actually working with my max as a <laughs> <Sure>. relatively lightweight. <laughs> to them, it's relatively light. <laughs> yeah. um, but you could, they were still, the coach would always be on them to get them into the right position. Right. Um, and so they weren't at that point necessarily focused on exactly how much weight they were lifting, but were they actually finding the right movement? Um, and it, it is, that movement actually was uh, the number one uh, goal. So uh -huh. they definitely mm -hmm. prioritized how they were moving and did they understand the concepts uh, in understanding power transfer versus how much weight they were lifting. Right, because that will come with time. Yep. And really, they would then, when they get to a certain age, didn't you say they choose whether or not they stay on to train or they might go into a different... Yeah, so it, there's a little bit of pressure, actually, hmm. for these kids. Um, so most of them come um, from poorer families. Um, and so the opportunity to go to this school uh, is a big one because um, it's a really good school. Uh -huh. They get their room and board and education paid for um, wow. while they're there. Hmm. So it is a bit like a job, um, you know, and a lot of responsibility for a young 13, 14-year-old kid to handle. Um, so they actually, but they do have to, even while they're there, they do have to show progression. Okay. Um, because if they're not progressing, then they, the school will send them back um, to their home home. Mm, wow. um, and so they're, I cannot even imagine what type of pressure that right. is. Right, yeah. yeah. Because most of these kids probably also know that they are not going to be professional weightlifters. So even in China, to become the elite of the elite, uh, a national team or even a regional um, level athlete, uh, the pool is huge. Um, yeah. And so uh, not everyone is going to become, go uh, beyond high school essentially mm. to weightlifting. Um, and so their main goal, so a lot of their main goals is to get an education so that yep. they can graduate high school, potentially go to college, mm. or if they don't, have the education, at least a high school education so that they can get a better job. Mm. Yeah and support um, themselves and their family that way. So this is just one opportunity to do that? Yep. Uh, that's interesting. And did you see any of the um, kids that were like, competing for national level spots? Like, were there any older kids there? There were. Um, so uh, uh, there were about two athletes there. Um, they were both um, male athletes who probably had the potential to go on to sort of the provincial team and move on. Um, they were, uh, still had a year or two left of okay. schooling, so they had time to grow. Mm -hmm. um, but I think to, I don't know for sure, but there are certain like numbers. Um, uh, they have to hit a total of a certain type of a, or a certain total number in order to be considered um, for that. Wow. And so if you can't hit that total, then hmm. you can't move on. Oh, that's so Man. intense. Yeah. 
Uh, I'm just like, I hope I make a total. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty much. I'm so like, casual yeah. weightlifting in the U.S. It is. They, they were um, initially uh, super sweet kids, but the the whole idea that weightlifting is a hobby um, and that these uh, guaylo are coming in yeah. to do was a bit weird for them. Mm. I'm sure. They were like, you're so old. In comparison, like the, the average age of the person who starts weightlifting at the gym is like 27 yep. or right. older. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're starting when they're little kids. Yep. So yeah, the the whole you do this for fun was uh, a bit of a foreign concept. <laughs> right. Because it, it for them it's work. They have it to is. do it. Yep. Whether they like it or not. Right. Yeah. And do they seem to enjoy it? I think uh, a lot of them do enjoy it, um, but some of them don't enjoy it. Right. You know, they're doing it for their family. They're doing it for themselves, and um, mm-hmm. they just happen to be either good at it or have the potential to be good at it. Um, and so. There is, I think, a lot of um, self-motivation and self-willpower uh, to continue to do something that you may not enjoy, but you know you kind of have to do. It will help you and your family in the long run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Um, okay, let's switch gears from that. <laughs> I could talk about that trip forever because yeah. I want to know so many things. But um, what would you say, like, after doing so much practice with so many different coaches and seeing – a lot of the Chinese weightlifting style, but also getting some exposure to like Russian style, Ukrainian style weightlifting. Mm-hmm. What is what's your like personal weightlifting philosophy that you take into coaching? Mm. So I definitely, um, I think it is actually h- hard to coach styles, mainly because um, for the most part there are some I think universal um, themes uh, throughout each system. Um, of coaching. So whether it's Russian, Chinese, or Ukrainian, um, or American even, um, there are certain uh, essentially positions and uh, themes that um, carry through. So the the first one is that the lifts really um, should come be driven by the legs um, and not really your upper body. Uh, so that one is a little bit hard, I think, for um, a lot of our adult athletes. Uh-huh. Uh, I think they understand the idea of legs drive the lift, but they can't stop themselves from using their arms right. too much. Um, and it's very natural, I think, because uh, the weight is heavy, and so you or, your mind will and your body will default to doing whatever it takes <laughs> to get the bar to move in an upward direction, mm-hmm. even if that is not the most efficient way to do it. Right. Um, and so all of the systems believe uh, that you have to use your legs. You have to drive the power um, from your legs. The other um, is balance. Um, so certainly with the Chinese and the Russian system, um, the balance is across the whole foot and most specifically in the midfoot or the mid portion of the foot. Um, they don't believe you shouldn't probably be moving your weight or your balance center either to your toes or to your heels excessively. They, it may move there, have a tendency to move to the heels, but it will still, your whole foot should still be in contact with the ground. And then lastly, this one is where maybe it's a little different bet- across the system is uh, the relationship of the shoulder to the bar. Certainly mm-hmm. in uh, Russian and like Eastern European um, and even American, um, the bar uh, really should stay right underneath the shoulders. I feel like in the Chinese system that potentially um, if your limb lengths allow you to get away with it, you don't always have to have your shoulders over the bar. Um, 
it, I think that's a little less of an emphasis. So they don't, if you can still drive the bar properly with the legs and it goes up with a lot of power, uh, I don't think they would mind if your shoulders got behind the bar too soon. Right. Especially because, yeah, and most of their lifters are very long torso, very short limbs mm, yep. and arms especially. Hmm. Yep. They have a little bit less worry about the bar getting too far exactly. away from them. Mm-hmm. Versus that, like, the... I feel like a, a very common body type you might see in Minnesota is like short torso, long legs, long arms, too yes. tall what? Yes. for the sport. Huh. Weird. Yes. <laughs> and then trying to do it anyway. So it's kind of a, it, it must be challenging. I mean, I know for myself when I look at weightlifters, I think this, but it must be challenging for you when you see that style, that body type that's so opposite of what would be expected in a mm-hmm. weightlifter. Yes, it is a challenge. I think the things um, that challenge uh, me as a coach is um, working with different body types and then working with different mobility. Oh, yeah. Mm. Um, So instability um, as a component to that. So um, most of the people that I work with, they have normal nine to five jobs. They are working on their computer. They're usually looking at their phone. Um, and so, and there's a lot of restrictions, I think, uh, in the hip, ankle, uh, and thoracic mobility. Um, mm-hmm. And unfortunately, those are the three areas that you probably need the most of right. uh, <laughs> to do uh, <laughs> Olympic weightlifting yeah. comfortably um, well. And so working uh, through that, um, is a bit of a challenge because essentially um, you can, I definitely see a lot of people work on their mobility, but within reason, um, not everyone is going to turn into a 14 year old Chinese girl with. Right. <laughs> you, you're not going to be able to imagine right. they do the middle splits yes. just yeah. from doing mobility, even 45 minutes to an hour a night. Like no. you're never going to get yourself to that point if you're not there right now. Exactly. Um, it can always get better for sure. Yes. Um, but. Uh, there, for instance, I've always I've been working on my hips for three years. I'm definitely not anywhere closer to a middle split. <laughs> same, <laughs> same. Um, so I think w- learning to, um, as myself as a for a coach, um, learning to work within those um, those restrictions, but still allowing the lifter to have fun, express themselves, express their power in um, the best way they can. Um, and also make them feel like, or also have them feel like they're making progression. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Which, uh, whether that's either through movement or through load, um, I think either one is fine. Although I probably would prefer movement, but sure. I also recognize that people want to put on heavy weight and lift it. Sure, sure <laughs> do. Especially if they have a nine to five and they're not focused all the time on weightlifting and they just want to enjoy themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so nothing. for you, part of that part of that is experience rather than just perfection. Yes. For sure. I think um, because everything is a progression, for sure. I mean, I think if you even just look back on six months from from or six months ago, how you were lifting to even now, um, you know, myself in particular, I've made some changes in my lifting uh, in the last six months. Mm-hmm. Um, Same. And yeah, I think it's always a progression. I think six months from now, I'll probably be making some changes and all in sort of in that attempt to attain uh, quote unquote perfection, right? Mm-hmm. Or at least the the most comfortable, repeatable way that you and your body type could do the lifts. Yes, mm-hmm. and that perfection is definitely different from person to person. What that's going to look like for one person is definitely going to look very different for someone else. Right. 
Um, do you have any like personal goals around your performance? Yeah, of course, <laughs> everyone does. Um, so I feel like uh, for myself, the, the unicorn is the body weight snatch or the above body weight snatch, mm. even if it's by half a kilo. It'll happen. Um, so that's the one that I'm chasing. Um, it's just Mar- March is right around the corner. It it's is. It's close. State. It's very close. Um, so that that is the big one for me. And then um, so that's sort of like just a weight goal that I would love to hit. Um, in terms of actually from the, the 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 clean, I've never actually enjoyed cleaning very much. So that is the lift that I actually feel the weakest in mm-hmm. or the most uh, uncomfortable or at least confident. So um, I actually do have a movement goal for the next six months is to actually make the clean uh, feel um, closer to my snatch. So more efficient. I always feel like I'm doing something funky in the clean yeah, to help sure. move the bar up mm. and versus my snatch, which I think flows very easily and it's a little bit more effortless feeling um so i'd like to make my clean a little bit more like that i'm doing the same thing right now. <laughs> how's that going it's a hard struggle but mm. it's i'm getting there i mean i don't know you get retooling something that you've been doing over and over again in a certain way trying to change the way you do it is so hard yes. your body just falls into the pattern it likes to fall into mm. it does uh, even something very simple is like changing up your start position. So that's probably the the biggest thing that I've changed right now is uh, where I start in the clean. Uh, so my hips are a little bit lower than they have been. Um, I probably hadn't been able to get there before because I had definitely had some mm, hip mobility restrictions um, that prevented me to be getting into a good position, mm-hmm. um, which I think have gotten a little better so I can sit a little bit more comfortably there. My hope is that with a lower hip starting position, I can engage my legs a little bit more and use my legs rather than my back. Well, that sounds great. Yeah, it sounds really, really nice. <laughs> sounds like the plan. <laughs> we'll see. Check. I'll check back in in six yeah, months. Yeah. For three people who have back problems, this is a really great conversation. <laughs> yeah. Lucia's got them. I've got them. You've got them. I y'all, do. Y'all got them. Um, tell us, too, what, what, what is it like developing programming? So programming is actually, it's fun, um, but, <laughs> it's also, yeah. <laughs> but also, but uh, also, it, uh, I like it because I, I uh, since I don't come as from a strength and co- conditioning background, uh, I don't actually have uh, a lot of previous experience with programming. Um, so I've had to do a lot of my own research um, in terms of uh, what is appropriate in a programming. Obviously, I think any programming should have some progression to it um, in that... Uh, depending on where you are in your training, whether it's a strength block or a technique block um, or a competition block, um, there should be some rhyme and reason to why you're picking your exercises. Right. Um, I am a little bit my, my own guinea pig, so almost anything that I program, um, I've done a ver- at least a version of in the past and have either found to be helpful or um, even if it hasn't been helpful, but I understand why we're doing it. Uh, it may not have been helpful for me, but it might be helpful for some other athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I threw that in there. Um, but it is a, a little bit of trial and error because I've yeah. definitely put out a few programs where I was like, that kind of sucked. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if anyone enjoyed that one. <laughs> I, I think also the bottom line is I, I do want people to have fun while they're doing the program yeah. because same thing. Um, we uh, the, the whole reason why we're doing this is because it's fun. Right. Like, well, none of us are going to be like winning anything right <laughs> important it's mostly just to enjoy yourself exactly and so if the programming is like not fun or is just 
too much of the same thing, mm. which may actually be helpful for a professional athlete, uh, but for our everyday um, CrossFit athletes or just weightlifting athletes, um, if it's not fun, then why are you doing it, really? Right. Yeah, yeah. That's yep. the bottom line. I think that's so key, and that's awesome. Keeps people engaged, too. I also like to hear people complain a lot. So, uh, <laughs> I'm Making it really hard helps yeah, for that. Yeah, yeah, so I like sometimes to put things in and hear the complaints. Like six <laughs> seconds at the knees. What? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> My legs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, the thing about programming is that like yes being methodical and making sure your micro cycles and your macro cycles line up is great but also with like it, beginner athletes which we all are mm-hmm. in weightlifting it's mostly just about exposure like mm. in, you could throw in a lot of fun things to yep. to increase that exposure absolutely yeah so that's the nice part about it. You don't yeah. have to worry about programming for high-level Chinese weightlifting <laughs> athletes. Nope. <laughs> the yeah. Pressure. yeah. That's <laughs> the a lot of pressure, pressure, and that yeah. would freak me out quite a bit. Absolutely. Yes. What is your – I'm curious, too, what your training – well, in addition to what your training looks like, what what is your rest recovery, food, any mm. of that? How does that factor into your training? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> carries a scale around. I do sc- – uh, yes, we'll food get into scale? that. Yeah, I do carry a food scale. Macros. Pretty much macro life. So um, right now I'm only training about four days a week, um, just specifically focused on uh, weightlifting. Um, I, the, I take usually two days off, um, for rest. Um, and then the fifth day, um, I, I have it as just sort of a, uh, fun day. So I, or beach body day, essentially, <laughs> I just, I instant, end up doing a lot of bodybuilding. Mm. Um, the, in terms of recovery, um, I try to get as much sleep as I can. Um, just like everyone else, we struggle with that because of life, um, so I'm not getting eight hours every night, um, although that's my goal. Mm-hmm. It's probably realistically six or seven, because uh, I do get up in early in the morning to, to go to work. Right. Um, and then um, I, I do, uh, so the other part of my recovery is I spend a lot of time on my mobility. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I am very fortunate that I have a boyfriend who um, supports me in those it's goals. Also a weightlifter. <laughs> happens to be a oh, weightlifter. Yeah. And, Can't see that. And uh, also supports mobility goals. Um, so usually we, um, while we're watching TV, we're doing something on a lacrosse ball to uh, to help uh, kind of with the muscle recovery. Um, sauna and steam room for sure. Mm-hmm. Although um, that's also hard to fit in to like. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you are already got a packed day. Uh, and you forgot to bring your swimsuit. That too. That often <laughs> happens. Mm. Although I will say at the sauna and steam room at uh, where Ricky works, it's like people have no qualms being just butt naked in there. <laughs> I was like, yes. oh, hi. Yeah. <laughs> you're not supposed to. It says right on the thing. It does. Oh, naked. it does. <laughs> yes. I often want to bring in an extra towel. Yeah. yeah. Just be like, here you go. Here you go. <laughs> just helping you out. This is yeah. for you. <laughs> um. And then uh, nutrition-wise, um, so I haven't uh, I haven't uh, often done a great job with my nutrition. Um, probably in the last maybe eight months, I finally kind of buckled down and got some discipline about it. Um, so I do follow macros um, essentially um, for the most part, but I do um, intermittent fasting on top of mac- counting macros. Um, I have, uh, I don't think it works for everyone mm-hmm. and it's probably not ideal for everyone, but because I train mostly in the evenings rather than in the morning, um, it has worked out pretty well for me. 
Um, and usually my mornings are pretty crazy anyway, so I don't often have a lot of time to eat. And I've never been a big breakfast person anyway, so mm. I so don't you, mind. You wake up and, and you don't eat until usually like noon or two or uh, noon. Yep. Okay. Mm. Mm-hmm. So and I you just eat the whole time from like noon to six or noon to eight. Uh, so yeah, my my feeding window <laughs> is between noon and nine. So I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say yeah. feeding window sounds like you're an animal in a trough. <laughs> Give me my food. It's kind of like that, actually. There's a lot of hangry moments, um, like where if I don't have food, uh, um, poor Ricky is like running away. (laughs) Well, yeah, because in addition, I'm with your training too. The amount of food you need to be eating, I'm sure, is increased than someone who's not really training with weightlifting. Exactly, and I have a shorter, I guess, period of time to get all that food in. So um, yeah, you got to make sure you get all those carbs (laughs) in one nine-hour window. Ah. Yeah, Um, but actually. for me, uh, what also I, I've liked about it, because I uh, eat until about 9, and I, I usually have my carbs after 5, um, it does actually help me sleep a lot better. Sure. Um, that's the one thing that I've noticed really been really helpful is that um, I get into a, a deeper sleep with, um, or it seems more restful at least, or mm-hmm. sound sleep with. Sure. Yeah. Big old carby nap. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Bedtime carbs are a glorious thing. They I are. <laughs> like them very much <laughs> yeah. myself. Yeah. Um, so that's been helpful. And nutrition, because, um, you know, you we compete as weightlifters, even on a local level, you do have to make weight. Um, mm-hmm. And um, most of us have a category that we would like to lift in. Um, and so uh, it, it is, um, in the past, it's usually been um, a very unhealthy crash weight loss to get <laughs> yep. into a, a weight category with mostly just water weight and starving. Oh, and then you just feel yep. so weak on the day of. Yeah, mm-hmm. not very healthy, not <laughs> very fun. Um, and so uh, fine, that's usually, the last time I did that, basically, it was a horrible, horrific experience. Mm. Uh, did not lift well, did not feel good. Um, and so finally decided to actually, and somebody had just basically told me that I needed to get more discipline. And I was like, I was like, oh, okay, oh, okay. <laughs> that just called me out on it. Yeah. yeah. Like, well, sure, but you could use a little bit more discipline in your life. Was mm. basically the quote, and I was like, okay, good point. That's funny because I see you as a very disciplined person. Yep. But <laughs> yes, I'm over here. Just one more level of discipline. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and for food, actually, not. Right. Because um, you do like to go out to restaurants. Like, that's yeah, something you really enjoy doing. Yes. You're a foodie. And anytime I, I see your post on Instagram or Facebook, I'm like, dang. I know. Yum. I'm like, I need to go to that place. <laughs> yes. I, I definitely like to post about food. I yeah. only probably eat a quarter of what I actually post. Uh, <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, because you post like seven dishes. I'm right. like, how? How are you doing that in your macros? Yes. Leftovers. Yeah. It's called yeah. a box. Yeah. That's true. That's true. So you like physically take your scale in. Put it on the table. You weigh what you have in front of you, and you just guess like how much of it is protein and how much of it is carbs. Yeah. Um. So I basically eat a lot of deconstructed food. (laughs) You know, it's the trend. Um, Yeah. So I deconstruct all my food essentially. So like, if it is a burger, I uh, take the patty off the bun and weigh the bun, weigh the patty, weigh the cheese if I can separately, weigh my French fries separately. Mm -hmm. Um, If it's a mixed dish, like, um, like. I, I don't eat pasta, but I do eat a lot of rice. So if it's like a meat fried rice, like I try, I will, I have to guess a little bit, but I sure. mainly, I'll weigh out the rice and kind of guess the meat. 
Mm-hmm. It makes sense. Does anyone ever say anything to you? You know, we get a lot of looks um, <laughs> about it, but no one ever really says anything. Some people will ask what we're uh, what that is because we sit the scale out on the table, yeah. Yeah. and they'll ask what that is, and we'll explain what we're doing. I'm pretty sure most of people think that we're bodybuilders, right? Um, yeah. And so, and actually, sometimes we'll just say we're bodybuilders. And so <laughs> it's people, easier. Like, it makes it easier. Yeah, because yeah. a lot of people don't know what Olympic weightlifting is. Yeah. Exactly. And if, yeah. I think even if I said weightlifting, most people would assume that I meant bodybuilding. Body yes. Yep. Yep. Most people assume that when I say it. So. <laughs> like, oh, one of my friends is doing that. She's doing bikini. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, sure. Yeah, so <laughs> very similar. Of, yeah, uh, but uh, different. But um, and I, I certainly don't think that uh, that degree of weighing your food is necessary for everyone. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I have found that if I don't weigh my food, I will literally eat everything um on the table. So. <laughs> sure. Because yeah, in so my it mind, works ev- for you. Yeah, every, yeah, in my mind, everything weighs one ounce. So <laughs> right, You're like oh, it's only oh, an ounce, easy, and it all fits into my mouth. Exactly, yeah. perfect. That's yeah. true. Sometimes, I mean, some people just have like this natural ability to stop when they're full, and I have never been one of those people. Agreed. So mm-hmm. I kind of have to I install some limitations ahead of time, or yep. I won't be able to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to ask if nutrition, because of course, I'm always so intrigued by it. Is that ever spoken about in any of the seminars or clinics that you've been to regarding? Actually, not really. Um, that is probably one of the areas that's least covered. Um, the um, Actually, at the Chinese weightlifting camp, we did ask a lot about how... Uh, the kids, uh, they didn't actually care that much. They, they just eat whatever they yeah. want. They pretty much just ate whatever they want. Um, although they do get weighed um, mm-hmm. on a daily basis. On a daily wow. basis? Yep. After training, they mm. go uh, to the room that has a scale and they have to weigh themselves. To the room that has a scale. <laughs> scale room. Yeah. Scale cave. And what, what's the purpose? Uh, so that they, I think, are aware of what their weight is. Okay. Um, so the coach is there to kind of monitor that. Um and so there were a few athletes that uh, needed to like drop a little bit of weight. I don't think they restricted their food, but they mm-hmm. would increase like, for instance, cardio activity. Okay, right. but have them run around a little bit. Yep. Because um, when you're a kid, it's like you play one soccer game and you lose five pounds. Yeah. <laughs> you need to eat like mm-hmm. a whole pizza afterwards. Exactly. So I don't think they, they are not, uh, I think at that age as strict about uh, what their weight is um, as they are at the higher levels. Right. Mm-hmm. So when we asked Coach Wu, like, what his weight, like, what he would walk around at and, like, uh, what he would compete at. So he competed as a 69-kilo weightlifter. Right, that's tiny. Very tiny. Yeah. Um, but he wouldn't walk around at 69 kilos. Right. So uh, usually he'd be about three or four kilos above that. But um, and when they would cut weight... Um, it, it would they would watch what they would eat probably starting a month about a month before sure uh, and then they would do a pretty big water they would also cut water yeah. um, that just to a, weigh in as low as possible mm-hmm. yep and they would they would get it to a degree where they knew exactly like if they weighed this much and if they did these certain things then they were going to lose this much water like so they were never stressed about it yeah very yeah. calculated mm-hmm. yeah yeah yeah, that's good. So yeah. they're not crashed either. <laughs> nope. You're like, this isn't working. Right? Yeah. yeah. But the, I mean, they're definitely about eating, like making sure you're, fu- you're fueled and uh, ready to train. Cause that's good. Right. That's good. Well, they're also, they're growing kiddos too. Mm-hmm. I mean, their bodies are going to be fluctuating. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and their joints, like they need recovery food. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Uh, did you have anything else that sticks out to you? Oh, man. I'm just, as someone who doesn't do the, you know, I'm not 
you're not coaching me. I'm not in there with you. I'm just so curious what what those programming progressions look like, and especially with beginner athletes as they're coming in, what, what people can expect, what changes people can expect to see. Or mm-hmm. So I think um, when I write my programming, um, it is actually uh, geared to people who are competing. So um, when I uh, the so the percentages and the um, exercises are uh, definitely probably uh, on the higher end or of um, of weights. So probably work in ideally working somewhere between anywhere between seventy five to ninety five percent. Not all in one day, obviously, but um, which I do not expect um, to be good for beginner athletes. So actually, recently, um, we only uh, initially we only did weightlifting on Saturday afternoons, but then we've added in the Tuesday evenings. Um, and so since we've added that in, um, I've had a little bit more of uh, beginner athletes coming in and, uh, and like being consistent too. Yes, hmm. and realizing um, from a coaching standpoint that it's not good for them to follow the competitors' programming essentially. Um, because they are still trying to figure out how to move their bodies um, and even specifically move their bodies in the way that I would like for them to <laughs> be moving their bodies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so when I think if you are above 70%, essentially, uh, it is very difficult to focus on that. Um, yes, all your bad habits will come out. Essentially, mm. yeah, because you're going to be focused on the weight rather than the movement. So essentially now what I do is... Um, I, have, I write out my competitors, competitors programming, and then um, I essentially the, uh, will take that programming, reduce the weights uh, to usually under 65%, and then I'll add in specific drills uh, that I want uh, the athletes to be doing in order to help them prep the movement. Uh, it'll be probably more pulls, uh, more tempo work. Um, so essentially, it is a scaled version. <laughs> Yep. a better word yeah. of the programming um, so that they can hopefully focus m- prioritize their movement over what their load is it looks a lot more like what we do in the gym like mm-hmm. in the crossfit side of things in terms of training the only lifts mm-hmm. much lighter lots of technique work mm-hmm. yeah versus going heavy all the time and in the, why and i usually do uh like we break it down into partial movements and so for me as a coach it's a little easier for me to uh observe someone when they're doing a partial movement and make corrections versus when they're um, doing lots of full lifts um and particularly at heavy weights because then even if i make a correction or have them want them to do something different if they're at a heavy weight they can't n- usually make that correction right um and it usually has to be done at a lighter weight so purposely uh keep them or restrict them essentially from going heavy because everyone will go heavy no matter what right away yep <laughs> it's amazing i will write sometimes 70 percent, and i see like no warm-up attempts and 70 percent <laughs> is right on the bar and i'm like what happened to 50 percent <laughs> right or just empty bar yes hmm. nobody like i was like oh okay so you have to be very specific i think actually yeah um in terms of what yeah. you what weights the um, athletes can be taking because they'll all go to the heaviest weight possible yes. essentially as right. fast as they can right yes that's true mm. a lot of people just want to be coached exact like exactly how you want the outcome to happen like they don't want to have to make any of their own decisions yep sure so i see that a lot <laughs> yeah so it, for me actually as a it's been uh, a good progression as uh, as a coach because um 
uh, initially, uh, essentially was working with like Hannah and athletes who had already been doing the lifts and didn't necessarily maybe need as much hands-on um, guidance, um, just you know, a cue every now and then or a correction every now and then. But um, with having a little bit more of uh, less experienced athletes come in um, has really helped me kind of understand a little bit more about how to coach those uh, particular athletes versus my more experienced uh, lifters. And actually really like it um, because as someone who is very technique oriented, um, that's something that I gravitate towards. That's why yeah. I go to all those seminars. Um, mm. It's not because I think I'm actually going to become a better lifter immediately. <laughs> it's because I love hearing about technique differences, technique similarities. How does one ath- how does one athlete um, or coach teach the lifts? Uh, I've never been to a seminar where I didn't learn anything. Right. Uh, I've learned some at least one thing every single time that I can use on myself or someone else. And so um, I like actually working with the technique part. Um, and so that uh, but sometimes I forget about that as a coach. Yeah. Um, and so n- basically recently we've been doing um, I've basically told everyone if you're not com- competing for a specific event in March, which is the state championship. <laughs> the only two of us are. <laughs> yeah. So. Everyone else is doing technique. Gotcha. Um, and I think actually the uh, so it's been actually a lot of fun because uh, even though it's lightweight, we do a lot of volume. And so yeah. I see a lot of like work being done. Mm. It's not and I think everyone feels really accomplished when they're doing it. Like they feel smoother. Mm-hmm. And so you're already, you're just going to feel like a better lifter. Yes. Yeah. I've already started to see a lot of changes. Um, maybe the athletes themselves don't feel it, but I can actually see it. Yes. So. The coach knows. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you have like, what makes you feel the most like, excited or proud as a coach? Ooh, it, it's a combination of things. I certainly love watching, uh, like, during competitions. Yeah. So when the lifters are out there uh, and they're making their lifts, maybe it's not PRs. Maybe you know they're just hitting a heavy weight, but you know, doing it on a competition platform. There's, in my opinion, no like better rush than to <laughs> hit a weight. Uh, on a competition platform. Mm. Um, so that actually for me is really exciting. Like I love seeing people go three out of three or f- you know four out of six and then go for a really heavy weight on their last attempts. And even if they don't make it, they, they know they gave everything they had. Um, so that, that's probably like actually one of my favorite things um, to see. Uh, and then just sort of like on a day-to-day uh, coaching experience, I really get excited when an athlete just says, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense now. I totally understand what you're talking about. Yeah, because uh, it's so rare. It is. When you get that little gem. It mm. is. It's like, I've, I, like, we've made a connection. Yes, it's we ha- happening. We have, we yeah. have a moment here. Um, because the, I think one of the challenges of coaching is being able, in, your, in my mind, it's happening a certain way. And to being able to convey that feeling over to an athlete uh, is difficult because yeah. they uh, are obviously are coming in with their own set of ideas and thoughts and experiences, and they may not necessarily connect with what you're trying to tell them, or you're telling them something, and they're completely interpreting it in a completely different way. Right. Right. And you're like, that's really not what I meant at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so to be able to like have that moment where you're, you guys are like totally synced in and like mm. it happens and it's a magical moment actually. That's, I, I really like that. Yeah. Good. That's incredible. That feels like a good note to end on. <laughs> that good 
jolly feeling when someone <laughs> finally vibes. gets it. Yeah, when it the warm fuzzies. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us. It's always <laughs> nice to have a guest and just to see you. Are you going to lift after this? I'm actually not. Oh, rest day today. Okay. <laughs> you bodybuild around or just rest? Literally just rest. Okay. <laughs> hey, the rest. You need the rest. You need the rest. Yes. Yep. yes. Um, all right. Great. Thank you all for joining us on this episode. Thanks to Taj for being like a, a warm like when you put on your warmest socks after being outside in the in the wet, that's what it feels like to get a hug from Taj Ruler. Yeah, that's Taj. Yeah. So thanks for joining <laughs> us on this episode of Solconicast, and we'll catch you next week. Bye. Solconicast is produced by Taj Ruler. Subscribe on iTunes or visit solconicast.libsyn.com. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com for full episode information. You can also visit our website at solconafitness.com to stay up to date on everything health and fitness. Join in on the conversation over on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Solcana CrossFit. See you there.